Welcome, friends, to the podcast Care Package to Japan. I am your host, Evangeline. This is a show where we showcase God's love for Japan through stories of people. And today I am chatting with Joe Hanley. Joe is the president of Asian Access, and I always just absolutely love chatting with him because he exudes so much. Of the joy that only comes from abiding in Christ. So let's get started. Today, our guest on the podcast is named Joe Hanley. And Joe has a very special story about how God has placed Japan on his heart. And he also founded a nonprofit ministry organization called Asian Access. So today, Joe is going to be talking to me about how God led him to where he is today and just his journey and his story. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining me on this Wednesday. Uh, great to be with you, Evangeline. And just one quick correction I was not the founder of Asian Access, I'm the fourth president.、Um, oh, got so it. Just、okay. for your listeners, yeah.、Um, <laughs> But I do have a heart for Japan and eager to tell the story. Yeah, Joe, for those that don't know who you are, can you just give an audience a brief intro into who is Joe Hanley? Where, you're, where are you from? Where are you calling in from?、Yep. Who are you? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a Southern California boy. I、uh, grew up in about 20 miles east of LA in a town called Roland Heights, California. Um, I was raised in a Christian family and went to、uh, college in the San Gabriel Valley of LA called Azusa Pacific University.、Uh, it was there that I met、uh, the lady that is now my wife. Her name is Silk. And、uh, a few years after graduating, we got married.、Um, and、um, kind of my background is、uh, my. My dad and my uncle were both pastors when I was young and felt, I felt called into ministry in high school, but I avoided it like the plague. I played Jonah and kind of went the <laughs> other direction. <laughs> but a friend of mine invited me on a mission trip、uh, while I was in college, and that totally turned my life upside down. And so, my entire trajectory since then has been a life of、uh, mission.、Um, first, starting with mobilization at Azusa Pacific University,、uh, where I was the founding director of their Office of World Mission and, and co directed a, a Congress similar to Urbana for the listeners that have heard of that、uh, for high school kids. And then、uh, the Lord called me to this amazing church in the South Bay of LA called Rolling Hills Covenant Church.、Um, so, after about 10 years at Azusa Pacific,、uh, I served as the mission pastor at Rolling Hills Covenant. And,、um, you know, my wife and I had our third child while there. So, we have two girls and a boy,、um, and they're all young adults now. And then, after about 10 years at Rolling Hills Covenant, God called us to Asian Access. And I serve as the president of Asian Access for the last 13 and a half years. And Asian Access, interestingly enough, was founded in Japan. So that's kind of the 
a backstory on me um, that kind of pulls you up to speed with um, where I'm at today with serving with Japan and Asia. Yeah, that's wonderful. Before we dive deeper into Asian access in Japan,、um, mm-hmm. can you just recall like the first time that you went on the mission trip? Like, what about it sparked your or like ignited your passions for, for or like what what opened your eyes about missions and and just the need that is that is、um, essentially everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, so I was serving on a on a very short mission trip to Mexico, and、um, at that time, my life's journey was I just wanted to be a wealthy Christian businessman who gave money away to philanthropic causes, who lived in Malibu and had you know fantastic things and was generous for the kingdom, and.、Um, While I was serving little children and teenagers in the barrios of Mexicali,、um, the Lord just gripped my heart, and I realized that I have more joy serving than I ever did pursuing these dreams to be wealthy and have it have everything. And so that、uh, caused me to start volunteering all my time. Every free moment I had was in some form of mission opportunity, and it just gave me joy.、Um, I had tremendous joy in doing that,、uh, and far more joy than my、uh, first job or any any of the career visions I had. And it, it's interesting that I met a lady who、um, the Lord,、uh, everyone had told her while she was in high school and as a young girl. That someday she would either be a missionary's wife or a pastor's wife, and so interestingly enough, even at our wedding,、uh, the minister anointed us and had our family surround us and lay hands on us for a life of mission. And so that's kind of the entry point、uh, with my mission story, and、uh, the Lord just gives me tremendous joy. In、um, serving him and coming alongside those who have either、uh, less opportunities in life or more, the last several decades,、um, more the least opportunity to hear about Christ. Yeah, thank you so much、um, for sharing that. I really appreciate that you highlighted. Um, just the fact that there's so much joy to be to be gained、um, in in serving because、mm. I think I think or at least I'm a millennial and I just see that like my generation really suffer from、um, like me 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 like trying to like fulfill me 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 but、um, mm. your story just like really reminded me that you know like Christ. Really design us to be not in like a in a way, but like we、mm-hmm. we need to be like our joy comes、mm-hmm. from also serving him and serving others. So thank you so、mm-hmm. much、um, for just like telling telling me that story. I appreciate it. Sure, and even though I'm not a millennial, I'm Gen <laughs> X.、Um, I'm, I'm kind of that baby buster.、Um, 
I started out with more of a, a me-focused uh, interest in life myself. And so I identify, <laughs> even though I'm a different generation. But that said, when, when I started working with Christ and getting to know Him and serving Him, there was no more profound joy than that experience. And so it was really the experience of uh, diving in deeper with Jesus and serving Him brought that sense of joy uh, to my life and heart. Yeah, and I know that you've been in ministry for, I want to say like two, three decades now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> and um, I'm sure there's been many ups and, and downs um, of just like hardship and also seasons of like, tremendous joy um i love to like hear a little bit about how you held on to that joy even amidst our seasons and after you answer that question we'll transition to chatting more about asian axis and um japan yeah sure so you know life's not easy uh there's all sorts of road bumps and difficulties in life and um i i don't know why but for whatever reason, uh, the Lord has wired me in such a way that in the midst of the pain and sorrows and bumps and bruises, I have been able to kind of lean into him and find that sense of joy. And maybe it relates to one of the reasons I did not initially want to follow his call. Uh, the main one of the main reasons that I initially was like Jonah was that I was deathly afraid of public speaking. Uh, you couldn't put me in front of three people and have an intelligent conversation, basically. Really, Joe? I, uh, you, I, you're I, so good on stage <laughs> and, and with everybody. You're so articulate. I I don't believe that at all. <laughs> it's, it's true. Nobody believes it today. It's crazy, but... I was deathly afraid of uh, being on stage. And so I avoided it like the plague. And that first mission trip, one of the things I had to do was the team leader required all of us to preach a message. And I said, holy cow, man, you have no idea what you're asking me to do. And he goes, let me coach you through this. So he did. And he, I said, you don't know what you're getting in for. And sure enough, here I am in this little Mexican uh, chapel and, uh, you know, preaching and he's co-preaching and the message was supposed to last 30 minutes and then translation would be an hour. Um, and I was sweating so hard. And the loudest thing in that room was, uh, if people see me, they, they notice something unusual about me. I am, I am very bow-legged. And I can't force my knees to touch each other. But that day, the loudest thing in that room was my knees clapping. That's how nervous I was. Oh, um, uh, it was it was terrifying. And a message that was supposed to last an hour lasted five minutes. And the translator looked at me, he goes, are you done? And I said, I am done. And I sat down. <laughs> but but the Lord the Lord taught me an important lesson, and I think it's probably one of the most critical pieces of 
uh, the work I do. And that lesson was that it's not about me. And the reason I was deathly afraid of being in front of people and speaking was because it was all me focused. I was worried about what are people going to think of me? I'm going to flub up. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to, you know, I'll do something wrong, I'm sure. And uh, people will laugh at me. And I did not want that kind of scrutiny. But that day, I came to the realization that this is not about me. And I began to see God work through me in ways that are profound to the point where you even said, I can't believe this is true. You know, uh, now I'm now I'm given awards for being a good communicator. <laughs> and um, it's just stunning. And I, I know the reality is that's about Jesus. Yeah. And it's Jesus filling us. And I think that experience was a profound life-shaping event um, to the point where when other difficulties have arise, have arisen, I have been able to weather the storm because why? I run back to Jesus. Mm. It doesn't mean there's not trials. It doesn't mean there's not tribulations. I've faced many challenges over the course of my 30 plus years in ministry. Wow. And in life in general, you know, watching your, your kids grow up and all the challenges of a family. Um, and yet in the midst of the trials and the tribulations and even like right now, one of the challenges I'm facing is what's happening in Myanmar with the coup, military mm -hmm. coup. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of our colleagues has been in prison and tortured for his faith. And I, I, I'm a part of walking alongside of them in the midst of that trauma. And uh, whether it's persecuted church or my own personal trials in my family or life, uh, I have just learned that the, the only thing I can do is run to Jesus. And when I run to Jesus, he fills me up and brings a profound sense of joy. So even in situations where I'm not happy or I'm sad or I'm in turmoil or uh, I've had my life threatened before in various places around the world, I have found that you can have joy in the midst of pain. And uh, it might not be happy, but God is there with you. And he carries you through those difficult trials and, and challenges. Um, so I don't know if that helps, but that's that does. a little my journey. Yeah, that does. And I want to squeeze in one more question because Go you ahead, have so fine. much wisdom. <laughs> I don't know about um, wisdom, but I'm happy to answer anything. You do. I think it's so helpful for like one of my personal joys when I talk to people from different generation is just like the wealth of mm -hmm. Even younger, like when I talk to um, the Gen Z, I feel like I learn so much and different perspectives too. So That's it just, cool. yeah, it, it gives me, I actually, it, it gives me a lot of hope hearing um, just your wisdom. Um, mm. So I agree with what you said about like, it's not about me. Um, and let me know if I'm not articulating this question correctly. I feel like, um, mm. I feel like with 
with um, just the younger folks these days with social media, a lot of times identity gets lost. So, so for example, um, like how do you hold the tension of it's not about me yet also knowing deeply that we are sons and daughters of the most high like for me mm. that's something that is kind of like mm. like that I personally wrestle with because it's easy for me to just be like, okay, like I'll just go with the group. Like I'll just like go with whatever they want and mm. and kind of like dismiss myself. And then I'll just like put it on as, oh yeah, like, you know, like I'm being, I'm being like, it's not about me, but at the same time, like it's not about me. So like, I, I really wrestle mm -hmm. with that. And I don't know if just throughout your life, you came to any kind of, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like revelation or, mm. or reckoning with that. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I would say that uh, early on in life, I, you know, struggled with my own identity um, before I was called into mission in the sense that my friend invited me on that trip. Um, I really wrestled with who am I and do people like me? And I guess that's a big part of why I ran away from the call. Um, and uh, I think the tension is that first and foremost, we're about uh, abiding in Christ. And as he fills us up, we will bear much fruit. And it is in that filling up, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, the book of Acts says, when the Spirit comes, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts. Um, and um, I think that once we have get that filling of the Spirit's infilling, the Spirit's empowering, once we're deeply embedded in Christ, that's the part where it's not about me. Then the, the power of being um, what you said, uh, sons and daughters of the Most High, uh, begins to manifest itself. And, and then the, the place of being uh, uh, priests and kings in God's kingdom. And we have a place to, uh, a role to play within that uh, overall kingdom manifestation in this planet. And I think that's where I our identity in him begins to reveal itself as those sons and daughters of Christ. And then we start to lean into the gifts that God has given us. You know, he, he's anointed you, Evangeline, with a, a certain set of gifts. Uh, similarly to me, all of us are uh, gifted in different ways. And, and those gifts are meant for the encouragement of the body and for uh, reaching this world. And so I, I, that's how I kind of hold that tension uh, in play is that First and foremost, it's not about me. Yeah. But as I lean into Jesus, he explodes through me in powerful ways and mechanisms that are all about uh, exhibiting his glory and highlighting his kingdom. And and to the point where it's it's sort of like back to your your surprise. You were shocked that I struggled with public speaking. 
um right yeah and yet, and, and yet that's that's because god has anointed and gifted me in that area i i have a gifting in communication that is supernatural and that's a part of being his son and a, a king and a priest in his kingdom i'm expressing the the power of my true identity through jesus and his infilling and i don't know if that helps but that's kind of my my perspective or take on how do we wrestle with this concept of my identity in this world when it's so challenging i i feel for especially your generation or gen z um the pressures today are way beyond what i i thought they were tough when i was your age you know and younger but <laughs> i i think it's harder today and i think that finding our identity in christ um and expressing those gifts is where that power comes from and i and i would even go back to where that's where i get to see uh his joy made full in me so it goes back to that sense of joy um when i'm fully uh immersed in who i am in him then it is number one not about me but number two it is life-giving to mm. be fully expressing who you are in Jesus in this world that is that is beautiful and thank you so much for giving me personally that encouragement to keep abiding and mm. to to be in him and i'm sure mm. the listeners are very encouraged as well so thank you so much um for mm. sharing that yeah you're welcome yeah and now i love to hear a little bit more about um japan and asian axis mm -hmm. so i i know that you are the president of asian axis for for the listeners um who are not too familiar with asian access do you mind giving them like a short summary of what it is what it does what are you mm -hmm. guys's mission things like that so asian access began in 1967 as a mission to reach japan for christ and the initial uh, calling was to mobilize English uh, teachers, uh, graduates of college who could serve from anywhere from two weeks to two years plus in a local church teaching English. And that would become a magnet for the local community. And at that time, it was very popular to learn English uh, in Japan. And this was one of those you know go-to places where you could get a good english education with american usually speakers american english speakers and um it was quite attractive and they integrated the gospel into their teaching whether that's using bible stories or the bible as a literature book and so it was a remarkable way to kind of inculcate jesus into uh, local communities and our, our founder was a serial entrepreneur in the missional sense. So he was always looking for ways to reach Japan for Christ. And he noticed that Japanese people loved uh, certain types of music. So uh, part him and his team, they started a singing ministry. 
And then they, they noticed that businessmen like to play golf. So they started a golfing ministry and the list goes on and on. They just kept birthing these new ideas in and everything to reach Japan for Christ. Well, eventually, um, one of the things he saw was that pastors would go to seminary, but five or 10 years in, five to seven years into the actual ministry after graduation, they'd run into roadblocks and they'd hit a wall and get to the point of burnout or they'd hit a ceiling and they couldn't break through. And he thought, I've got to help them. So he went to Fuller Seminary at that time, and this is, you know, dating us all, back in the early 70s, late 60s. And they helped design something that became catalytic in the life of the church in Japan. Um, and it actually ended up being connected to 95% of the church growth in Japan during the late 80s and early 90s. And so over time, Asian Access has taken this twist and turn to focus on coming alongside local indigenous Christian leaders and helping empower them for their calling in the world. And so that means we, we, we send missionaries to serve under the direction of a local Japanese pastor or a local Japanese ministry and really empower and come alongside and help them kind of uh, accelerate in the mission that God's called them to. And so that's kind of Asian access story. Today, we recruit missionaries through a group called SIM, and then they're assigned to us in Japan. And we work with them with a local congregation that is a catalyst for the kingdom in the country. Over and above that, we have a leadership training uh, program that was the one that was connected to 95% of the church growth in the country. And so Asian Access has this unique kind of um, place in Japanese mission history. Um, usually it's considered one of the top places people would look if they're looking to go to Japan. And um, I think in the Japanese context, a lot of ministries and churches would look towards Asian Access favorably because of the way it's invested deeply in the lives of uh, key leaders. Uh, one story that illustrates uh, kind of the principle, there was a famous story with our founder writing the Yamanote line, the, the famous line that goes around Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And he asked him, uh, sir, what's your vision? The, the founder asked this Japanese pastor, what's your vision for Japan? And for those of you that know Japanese people, they often are reticent to answer a question like that and usually will defer back to you. But for whatever reason, this leader was inspired and started bursting out his vision. And at the end of sharing, he, he, he goes, oh, sumimasen, uh, please forgive me. You, you are the apostle God sent to Japan. What is your vision for Japan? And our founder said this, my vision is to empower your vision. And so the spirit of Asian access, whether it's working in Japan or the other countries we now serve in, is really this spirit of, we're here to come alongside like a Barnabas. Yeah. And help, help the Pauline figures of Japan really rise to the occasion and 
And core principle behind that, just one last thing. The core principle behind that is the same exact lesson I learned when preaching that first sermon in Mexico years ago. That it's all about a deep abiding love relationship with God. And as we go deep with Jesus, we will bear much fruit. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And so one of the key themes in the life of Asian access, whether you're a missionary serving in a local church, or you're a, a pastor who's gone through our training, or even a business leader, is this idea of a profound, deep love relationship with God that becomes the foundational, life-flowing, life-giving expression of who you are in your identity and calling in Christ. So that's a little of Asian Access history. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'd love for you to like dig deeper. Like, are there, I don't know, like practical advices that you guys share with the leaders? Or the reason why I ask that is I feel like um, as I don't know if it's just Japan or like the East Asian culture, um, mm. people people tend to be really good at head knowledge. And what I mean by that is people, you know, like it's like, yes, I read the Bible, like check. Mm -hmm. Yes, I pray, check. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. I go to Wednesday night Bible study, check. Yeah. And uh -huh. that that those are all great things. Like I'm mm -hmm. not saying don't do them. Right. At, the same, at the same time, there is something... <clears throat> Mm. a little bit more nuanced maybe not nuanced but like a little bit mm. beneath the surface that needs to go like this abiding in christ is mm -hmm. is not just like a checklist or not just a head knowledge type of thing and right and i love to like hear from your personal experience and mm -hmm. also just like working with leaders like are there anything practical that you tell them or, or um, things that like worked well for you in your own walk with the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, I would say this, you know, it's interesting when I first came to Asian access and le learned of this principle, I'm like, come on, come on. This isn't that like no brainer city. This is like Christianity, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Hello, what, what's so special about you, you know? And, uh, but it was shocking how many of our alumni and our missionaries kept pointing that to that as the most transformational thing in their life. Right. And yeah. I, I think, I think what happens is we get caught up in the me mechanics of it. And all the things you just described, checking the boxes. Um, and it's, it, it becomes a more mechanical thing than a, a life thing. And I think when we get it caught up in the mechanical parts of it, then what happens is we get distracted by every which thing that, everything that comes our way. And in the life of a church, it's really easy to get uh, hung up on the politics that happen in the church or the conflicts between people and you begin to lose that initial heartstring that initial love relationship with god and it's easy to kind of fall away or astray if you're stuck in monotonous patterns 
of just checking boxes, or you get caught up in the life of the ugliness of, of church life or ministry life or whatever or bad things that happen to you um, on a personal level, and you kind of lose your first love. And I would say that what I've experienced and seen in my 13 and a half years with Asian Access has been a profound transformational nuance, the word you used, um, of understanding really what it means to simply walk with Jesus. So rather than uh, living life checking boxes, not that I don't do some of those things, <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, I try to live a life where I'm communing with him, where, where throughout my day I'm in prayer rather than just reading my Bible in the morning or doing a deep prayer time in the morning. I, I do those things, but I try to experience God in the life and flow of what I'm doing throughout my day. And as I've watched others do that, um, as they kind of deeply commune in nature, um, listening to God, as they uh, spend uh, more and more time just praying, either interpersonally or in groups, um, it's that experiential side of who I am in Christ rather than the intellectual side. That, that deep love relationship begins to grow and flourish. And it becomes much more than just a habit. Um, now, th there's a place for habits in our life, and sometimes they help us lean into these other things. But I, I think that's that experiential piece where you're you're really seeking to commune with God more than just uh, checking boxes. And then I would add to it this. Um, a lot of people might get caught up in the idea of accountability with this, and that's not really what I'm after. But it's the idea that we're meant to be a body and strengthen each other as iron sharpens iron and as we uh, are meant to encourage one another in, in our faith and life. I, I think as we commune with God and we commune with others, those are key resource points, key, key filling points for the spirit to be manifest in our life. And so those are just a few of the ideas that I would, you know, venture to share. Uh, I'm sure there's many others out there. I, I know people that they, they go in seasons with how they commune with God. Sometimes it'll be um, more devotional in nature, uh, the typical check your box stuff. But other times I know people that'll just go hang out at the beach and try to listen to God. They'll spend yeah. hours just watching the waves or maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll go downtown Tokyo and Shinjuku station and you know, all the bright lights and stuff and, and just in, in the midst of the chaos, and the people crossing, you know, the streets and byways and stuff, they just say, God, where are you? Um, fill me today, speak to me today. L let listen as you walk and as you go. And so prayer life becomes much more than just a duty, but rather a communing experiential thing with God. So I don't know if that helps, but that's a few ideas.
to help yeah. begin unpack that. Yeah, that's great. And that's um, that's amazing that that is the heart behind Asian Access. It's mm. so simple yet so foundational because it is from that place of deeply mm. rooted in God um, where only only abiding in Christ where fruits um, come, mm. come about. And um, something that I've personally been just like thinking a lot about, and, and I don't know if you resonate at all, but um, the mm. older I get, the more I realize mm. just how sinful I am. Um, I think mm-hmm. the older I get, the longer I walk with Christ, the more I'm aware of the vastness of um, the chasm, yet also how much um, mm. how much He died for and. Mm-hmm. I'm just personally like so grateful for that. Mm. Um, and and the more I realize that like I need to be in Jesus all the time or else I will be acting out of my flesh and that will not <laughs> be good for the world at all, for myself or the world. <laughs> true, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so true. The older we get, the more deep in Christ we grow, the more we realize, number one, how little we know and the more we realize oh man i'm a wretched sinner worse than i ever thought um and so um it's really those experiences are just uh reminders of that beautiful grace that god has for us um that it's his power in coming alongside and being on the cross and suffering for us so that we can then uh, have full joy in Him. And the more I'm cognizant of those areas of sin in my life, the more I see how much love He has for me and how much I can lean into ways to grow in Him. And really the best way to grow in Christian character is growing in Christ and letting His Spirit take over and letting me become more like John the Baptist, you know, may I decrease, may he increase. And um, I think those are just opportunities as we get older and older, uh, more mature and, and more seasoned, where we can uh, kind of practice the John the Baptist spirit of, please, Lord, may I decrease, may yeah. you increase. Amen. That is so beautiful. Please. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think um, the notion of may I decrease, may you increase. I just I found that like yeah, I think I just personally found that through my interactions of people in Japan that mm. that um, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing or um, mm. or just in the Japanese blood that they are very cognizant of of others um, and is that a cultural thing? I don't know. Like, well, like they're very they're mm-hmm. they're the most um, uh, what's the word contextually um, oriented society in the world. So they are constantly observing every little thing. Um, every tiny little nuance can be interpreted in different ways. And it's a highly context-oriented culture. And so with that, the more humility we have, the more power we have. 
because when we display that humility that that it, let me decrease and let Jesus increase that he shines more brightly in a context oriented society and so the the more you can understand um those complexities of context the deeper you can go in relationships with japanese people um and i i just happen to be lucky you know my i have lots of friends who speak japanese fluently or you know pretty decent and have lived there for years but because i had japanese leaders walk beside me and kind of introduce me to others in the way that taught a more context based um understanding uh lots of cups of tea with people lots of just <laughs> listening you know yeah uh, it's in that listening and humility that you gain tremendous um uh respect or honor or kind of the platform to speak into people's lives And so I don't know if that's a full answer to your question but I I think that that's a there's a very powerful metaphor there when it comes to serving in Japan that few really have been able to grasp. Yeah, how do you um navigate I guess like I feel like Japanese people in in group settings um people are very present and like how do you navigate being a president of a organization and having to fly to different country or pre-covid i you had to like travel a bunch managing your schedule yet also being very present to your staff, your leaders, the people that you interacted with um in mm. Japan while you were while you're doing ministry because I I feel like you do that very well like you are mm-hmm. someone who is from my knowledge incredibly busy. <laughs> I feel like you're always traveling to a different country. Yeah. Um yet yet when you're talking to people i feel like i have your full attention and i think that's something that the japanese people really appreciate and and mm. respect so mm-hmm. for so for you personally like how do you like how do you do that or how do you like navigate mm. that like like i have a vision i have all these things to get done mm-hmm. yet i'm also present <laughs> yeah 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 um i don't know if i have a good answer for that other than um i just really value other people i i have a deep appreciation for whoever i'm with at the moment and i um really value staying in touch with people no matter where i'm at in the world and so i go out of my way to use every means possible to stay connected even if i'm on the road and even if i'm incredibly busy now part of that maybe part of managing that is being able to say no to things um and all the obviously as the president i can delegate a lot of things too so i have an advantage in that i can delegate a lot um but i think for everyone the power of saying no to things uh frees you up to stay engaged with those things that are most important And so for me I I've chosen or I value or I appreciate who is ever in front of me. 
um, or the world that I'm connected with enough that I really want to give that a high priority. So whether it's, uh, you know, being on our call today um, and engaging with you um, and love your questions, by the way, brilliant. Um, or if it's, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in an airport, I'm in Heathrow airport stuck for a few hours. Um, I could either rest, I could eat, or I could catch up on work or, Hey, I could put a feeler out there. How are you friends doing out there? And invariably somebody's going to connect with me saying, please pray for me or something like that. And it's in the balance of that, I suppose, that um, I find that place. I don't know if that's a good answer. Um, I'm not sure how to answer it, actually. But no, that's, that's really good. That's, yeah, that's kind of the best I can give you uh, in terms of that. But I, I really deeply value. I think I got that from my father. Mm-hmm. My father is probably um, the biggest question asker. Uh, that I've ever met and I follow in his spirit that when when he's around people he really digs in and tries to get to know them and and I I just love that I I guess I I have a natural curiosity uh, where it's more I want to learn about you Um, and I want to I guess a part of that curiosity is not only do I want to learn about you but I want to find the touch points of God in your life or the touch points that God can bring to your life. And so that's a part of that seasoning mix too. Hopefully that helps a little. Yeah, yeah, that does, that does. Yeah, I think, I really think that is the spirit in you because Mm. like, I feel like when God's like spirit is so alive and and working through us in us like we like he enables us to have this like supernatural ability to want to love people and I really right. do think is his spirit because I know mm. that when 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 I am not abiding in him I don't have that natural like quote unquote natural desire to want to talk to Mm -hmm. people or even get to know them so i really do Mm -hmm. think that is like the holy spirit in us empowering us Mm -hmm. to be his light and be his salt in this world um yeah so thank you for (laughs) entertaining my questions Uh, oh you know i think that's a very interesting insight too because most people assume i'm an extrovert because they see me living out loud on social media or interacting and traveling and being with people all the time they assume oh joe must just love people and and which i do but um uh, you're an introvert yeah i'm (laughs) an introvert most people don't know that i'm an introvert and so one of the other things i do is i carve out time to regenerate and so that's really good i daily have to have time where it's just me kind of communing with god um and so i think you're right i think that's a holy spirit thing because i am not a natural extrovert like everyone thinks i am 
Can I ask like practically, what does that look like for you? Is it like always the same time that you carve out or is it like you look at your schedule and, and it's like, oh, I definitely need a either 30 minute block here, an hour block here. Um, I'm just trying to like pick your brain for people yeah. who are busy, for people who use schedules. Like how does that look like for you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I have the weirdest Sabbath you've ever heard in life <laughs> because, <laughs> because I travel. I travel. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, so I have to build in margin within both my daily life and my uh, traveling life. And so, and the older I get, it's more important even. I, I need more regenerative energy when I get off a plane or get on a plane or head somewhere. And so I intentionally, I, I rarely plan back-to-back -back phone calls or meetings all day long. It, it's very rare. Sometimes I do it, but I have to. But I almost always try to block about a half hour break between calls, um, which may be unusual for someone like me or someone in a post like mine. The, the other thing I do is that I increasingly, um, I, when I'm on a trip, <laughs> I will schedule downtime on that trip. And so while I can't have a regular rhythm Sabbath, like every Sunday go to church because you never know if I'm preaching somewhere or traveling or whatever, I definitely carve out a Sabbath in the course of my week, no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing. And so I don't know if that helps, but I definitely build margin into my life, no question. That does, that really, that's great practical tip because mm. I'm still learning how to adult and <laughs> I think these are like, these practical things are super helpful. So like, do you look at your schedule on a daily basis or like, do you look like, I think I'm trying to grasp like, how much do you look at it from just like, oh, this week I have this versus this month, like how, yeah, like how I, much, I, yeah. I do both. I look at things in blocks. So um, usually it's, I'm looking at a month in a glance. Um, but if things start to get tied up and busy, then I'll look at it in a week long setting. Um, and I will go in and mitigate things if necessary to create the space that I need to create. And I'll realize there are times where I'm saying yes to things that I don't need to do. And I will ask my assistant or assign somebody else to take on something. And I'll just apologize if I can't keep up with it. So yeah. let's, say, let's say I schedule something with somebody and I realize, oh man, I just can't do it. Um, so more than likely, I will apologize and say, you know what, there's a better person to actually work with you on this. Can I ask you to work with them? And I think I have the relational bandwidth with most people now where they respect that. Um, and so that's kind of how that operates, if that helps a little. Yeah, that does. Thank you for sharing all your tips and tricks of <laughs> doing life and doing ministry and having a family. It's super helpful hearing um, how you just personally navigate all of that. Yeah. And, and before we wrap up this call, and I wish we had more time, um, yep. 
I'm sure we'll do part two sometimes later. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I, I love for you to just share a little bit about um, for the audience who uh, maybe are interested in one like understanding more about mission two understanding more about japan like mm -hmm. do you know mm -hmm. if there are any resources or websites that people can go to just kind of um gain some knowledge about japan missions because i think sometimes when people have that interest it's they don't know where to start um right yeah right. I, I would say one of the best entry-level places for people to just start getting to know about the world is a is a resource called Operation World, and they have an online presence. You can Google them and you know look up Operation World, and they even have a prayer guide, a daily prayer guide. And I think if you begin to hone in either on their daily prayer or begin looking at different countries. You, as you study those things, that will lead you in other directions to other things. Uh, when it comes to Japan, I think uh, I'd highly recommend go to japan.org. That, that's a website that Asian Access has in partnership with SIM. And there's a lot of resources there to learn about Japan. And so just go the number two, japan.org. Um, check that out, learn about Japan. Um, but Operation World is a, a very significant resource. And, and I, I, just so you know, um, most people might not know this, but I'm kind of an accidental Japan fan. Um, my, wife <laughs> went on a, yeah, my wife went on a mission trip to Japan in, in college and she did two months uh, teaching English uh, outside of Tokyo. And um, she left there thinking, Lord, you, why did you do that to me? I, why did I go to Japan? What is it in Japan? And nothing in our married life kind of pointed to Japan until I started working at Rolling Hills Covenant Church. And they had a Japan ministry and Silk sort of a little bit got involved. Wow. And my first experience with Japan, other than getting to know uh, Pastor Yuji Uno there at the church and his wife, Sumie, was uh, I actually spent less than 24 hours in Osaka. So I flew through Osaka to Beijing and I had to spend the night in a hotel that was literally walking across a bridge from the airport, hotel and then back. And, and then, so when God called me to Japan, it was really surprising because I had almost no Japanese background. That said, my entire commitment, and this may be helpful for you, as I grew in my missional calling in life, I really became convinced that we need to reach the least reached planets, uh, sections of the world. And Japan at that time was the single largest unreached people group in the world. And so God, interestingly enough, uh, had us as a family live in two of the most difficult places to reach on the planet. One was Turkey years ago, and the other wow. was Japan. And uh, for whatever reason, God has given me uh, one of those uh, Winston Churchill type spirits 
kind of never <laughs> give up, never give up. I love it. Up, I love know? it. <laughs> and so I have been called to the toughest, hardest places on this planet. And God has given me a passion for them. Wow. And so if you are interested in the, in the, you know, some of the toughest challenges of this world, Japan is one of them. And it is a beautiful, wonderful, awesome place. Yeah. And it is a big, it is a big challenge for the gospel. And I just have a huge heart for it. And so if people are out there thinking Japan, please uh, check out gotojapan.org and uh, look up stuff on Operation World. Those are good stepping, you know, uh, first steps into kind of getting to know things. Yeah, thank you so much um, for sharing that. And I would love it if we could um, end this podcast with a prayer. And specifically, I love for you um, to pray about what we talked about, which is mm. abiding in Christ. And I love, mm. I love it if you could pray that mm. over us, the listeners, and also the Christians in Japan. That's something so simple yet. Mm so hard to grasp at times. Um, so yep. if you could pray for us, that would be great. Yeah. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, I pray um, that you would stir in our hearts. We need you. We are desperate for you. And so, Lord, I ask that we would learn and grow and become more embedded with your spirit. I pray that we would dig deep and abide in who you are and walk with you in this season of life. Lord, I pray your anointing upon our listeners and upon Evangeline and upon me today. Lord, anoint us with that spirit of abiding, of going deep with you, Jesus because we're desperate for you. And Lord, it is in you that you bring life and joy and all these things we've talked about today. It is in you that our identity becomes manifest in powerful kingdom expressions. And so Lord, I ask by a mighty move of your spirit that you would speak into our hearts and into our souls and that we could abide deeply in you and that through you we would become all you mean us to be sons and daughters of the most high kings and priests in this everlasting kingdom and evangelists to the uttermost parts of the world lord we pray for a mighty move of your spirit across japan that you would indeed Come like a powerful wave into the country. Not a, not a physical wave, but a spiritual wave that would envelop the country with your love. I pray, Lord Jesus, that across Japan, men and women would come to know this profound, deep, abiding love relationship with you. And they can walk with you and commune with you and 
just like they understand the spirit world as they walk across Tokyo or Osaka or in nature. Lord, I pray you would reveal yourself to the depths of their soul, that they would understand that Jesus is right there beside them, bringing life and hope and peace in the midst of a chaotic world. Lord, we pray this for Japan and for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much um, for praying for us, mm. the audience, and the people in Japan. I so appreciate that. And mm. I asked this question to all my guests um, mm -hmm. before. So before we wrap up the episode, I love for you to share what is something Japanesey that you absolutely cannot live without. So it can be. A type of food, a phrase, uh, Shiba Inus, Daiso, anything <laughs> at all. Yeah. Oh man, it's everything. <laughs> <laughs> I am so missing Japan right now. We haven't been Aww. there for over a year. Yeah. And uh, I'm hoping to go back in March. Um, and the, the beautiful thing about March, and you know, there, there's true, I miss literally everything. I miss the trains, I miss the. Um, the food. For, fortunately, I had good ramen today. But um, <laughs> the uh, 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 the one thing that I'm I'm really jealous for right now, I suppose this might be my answer, is cherry blossom season. Oh yeah. So uh, there, there's just nothing like it in the world. Um, and uh, just between the fall colors and cherry blossoms, it's hard to choose. But I gotta go with the blossoms. So um, that's mm. just amazing. And I, I, I've never experienced something quite like it. And I'm not one of these nature freaks that just goes out and I, like one of my ways to grow in God is not typically, um, you know, going in the forest. But there is something about walking through a park filled with the cherry trees and watching the blossoms just float. That is, um, it captures my heart in a way that very little else does. And wow. so that, if I had to say I missed one thing the most, it's that, I suppose. Wow, that is super cool. And that is, yeah, cherry blossom is amazing. Mm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And thank you, friends, for tuning in. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to showcase how much God loves Japan through people and their stories. So if you would like to share your experience with us, feel free to email me at carepackagetojapan at gmail.com. And we would love to have you on the podcast as well. So thank you so much, Joy, uh, Cho, sorry, for joining us today. Oh, that's a good slip of the tongue. There's a lot of joy <laughs> coming from Joe. Uh, yes, amen. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Evangeline. I'm very excited about the podcast. I'm praying for you. And uh, if you're out there listening, please come join us in Japan. We'd love to have you. That's right. Amen. All right. Bye, everyone.